Hi, it's Cammy Chris Kamara, and you are listening to the Trinity Heritage Podcast with Jamie and Lee Robinson. They are unbelievable. Good afternoon, good morning and good evening from wherever you are listening from and welcome to episode 34 of the Wakefield Trinity Heritage Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jamie Robinson. So this is the second installment of our top 10 series. Like we've mentioned before, this podcast is not just about interviewing the players of the past or the present, but about expanding on our history based on the research that my dad, Trinity Heritage, has done. Um, In March, we brought you the top 10 international stories, and today we bring you the top 10 Super League Academy products of Wakefield Trinity. But first, let me introduce you to the man behind the mic, uh, my dad, Lee Robinson. How are we doing, dad? All right, good. All right. All ready again. Good stuff. Welcome. Um, So what's been happening in the world of Trinity Heritage this week? Well, it's all quiet on the heritage front, but one thing, one one great day we had last week, last Friday wasn't a great day, Eddie Lee, he never is going over there and losing, but Leeds past players invited the Wakefield past players over before the game, so we took a group over, um, just where we were entertained, we were given food, and we had some seats in the stand, um, and, and that, was, that was good, the highlight of my evening was I was sat with Ian Brooke, sat with Ken Rollin, and they were telling me tales of their past games at the ground, you know, I, I'm always quizzing them, I asked, I asked them what were their highlights of their um, games at Edingley over the years. Ian Brooke won the championship there with Trinity in 68. He played a test match there for Great Britain in 67. Uh, he won the Yorkshire Cup with Bradford in 65. Ken Rollin went further back and he won the Yorkshire Cup in 1965. Uh, 1956, sorry. And he can still remember. He was reeling off the game. And how many years ago is that? 60, 70-odd years ago? And he remembered every move in that cup final. We beat Unslet 23-5 at Edinley. And he played the half-back and he, was, and he still remembers the game as though it was yesterday. Superb stuff. I mean, if anybody catches Ken Rowling down at Bellevue, definitely grab his ear for five minutes. He's more than willing to speak to every single time. He's got a memory like it, like he, he, was, uh, he was born yesterday. So he's a brilliant chap and, and a, a true Trinity legend. Um, Dad, have you put anything of interest out on, on the Heritage social media sites this week? I know you mentioned it's a bit quiet leading up to the Challenge Cup final. Yeah, we always like our on the on this day in history themes. I, I'm always loving that games and debuts over the years on this day. But when we start getting to May, um, there's not a lot happened over the years because all the the old winter seasons usually finished around about April. We had the odd the odd cup finals in uh, in in the winter leagues, but so we were struggling for memories. Uh, last Monday on the 23rd. We did have a, a debut. Uh, I don't even remember Jeff Wraith. He was one of the great fullbacks of our time. He made his debut on the 23rd of May 1964 at Swinton. Swinton were the champions at the time. And Jeff Wraith went on to be one of our greatest fullbacks. So that was 58 years ago. Um, Tuesday was 24th. Again, not a lot has happened. We've only ever played four games on that day in our 127-year history. We've only ever won one, and that was in the 1998 promotion season. We beat Whitehaven down at Bellevue 30-16. Uh, yesterday, as in the 25th of May, it's Magic Weekend time. And we actually played on that day in 2013 and 2019. We lost both, but we played at some iconic grounds. We lo- In 2013, we lost to Castleford at Manchester City's Etihad. And uh, in 2019, we lost to Catalan Dragons at Liverpool's Anfield. That's where Kelapi Tanganoa made his debut. And today is the 26th of May and also a Magic Weekend game. Uh, a bit better news, we beat Castleford. That was also at uh, Manchester City's Etihad in 2012. 
Superb stuff. And on to the top 10. So as well as all things history and heritage, we love a good top 10s list here. The top appearances, youngest ever players, best attendances, or even the greatest victories in our history. In another break from our interviews, this week we look at the top 10 Super League Academy products for Wakefield Trinity. Yeah, so when we talk about Super League Academy products and juniors that's come through our youth system, provided by Trinity, we're all aware we don't have the same standards as St. Helens, Wigan or Leeds, who have the records in recent years of bringing about three, four, five, six, seven players through to the first team every season. We both love the romance and beauty of bringing through our own talent. It stood the test of time in our previous winning squads of yesteryear and the crux of any good team is listed with local lads and academy graduates. Since our promotion back Super League um, back in 1998 and our first game in 1999, we've had 53 full-time graduates that's come through the youth system, the academy system, and made their debut since, with a further three who played in the first season of 1999 that had graduated the season previous to, or a few seasons previous to our promotion. Yeah, so our, our definition of a youth product is, is coming through the system from a young age. They haven't been recruited from another club and brought in, etc. There's only and there's only actually been three seasons in which we have not debuted an academy product, which is quite good in terms of our regard, really. And that's 2006, 2017, and 2018. So, for example, just in the previous example, Liam Finn unfortunately wouldn't qualify for this because we brought him from Halifax, um, and etc. etc. Some of the names that are Trinity products that we haven't actually included in this list are the likes of Ben Westwood. David White, Keith Mason, Paul Hanford, uh, Tommy, ha Tommy Hoey, um, Nathan Batty, Matthew Ray, Steve Snitch, Rob Spicer, Mark Barlow, Mark Field, Matthew Blake, Darren Jordan, Mark Applegarth, Craig Robinson, Liam Campbell, Aaron Murphy, Dale Ferguson, Jay Pitts, Josh Griffin, Luke Blake, James David, Dale Morton, Kieran Hyde, Matty Wilde, Russ Spears, Lucas Walshaw, Kyle Trout, uh, the one and only Liam Kerr currently playing, Danny Cowling, Chris Anakin, Danny Maskell, Ben Shulver, uh, Brad Mulls, Judah Massey, Fraser Morris, James Batchelor, Lee Kershaw, Jack Croft, Titus Guaze, Connor Bailey, Yusuf Aydin, Harry Bowes, Oliver Greensmith, Corey Hall and Isaac Shaw. So there's obviously there's a lot of big names there that we haven't involved. So um, we've just selected a top 10 based on kind of the stats of, of their time at Wakefield achievements whilst at the club, our opinions, you know, mine and my dad's opinions. And obviously we posted out on Twitter as well just to see what the opinions of everybody else were. Um, and we've kind of collected them all together and decided a top 10. It is a, it is a bit of a countdown, but it's just a bit of fun. So if, if anybody gets offended by it, you really don't need to be. So without further ado, dad, I'll, uh, I'll let you call out the names and then we'll kind of fill in the gaps and give a bit of a synopsis on them all. Yeah, as we say, this is a personal choice. It's nothing to do with appearances or honours or internationals. It's just something we sat down. Jamie's done a lot of donkey work on this. It's usually me with my knowledge, but uh, he's done his uh, he's done his research. And we've got we've gone down from a, a number ten down to number one. And we're actually starting off with Jordan Crowther at number ten. Yeah, kicking off with Jordy, he's our youngest ever Super League player and one of the youngest debutants in the club's history. We interviewed Jordy earlier on this season and he bleeds red, white and blue. He's from the area. He played in the area, he's come through the academy um, and he loves the club. Um, he's bided his time well over the next couple, over the past couple of years. Surprisingly, you know, if he stays for as long as we want him to, he's actually approaching his 10th season at the club. In, in, in my eyes and many other people's eyes, I'm sure he's still a young 18-year-old lad. Um, you know, and he's approaching 100 appearances for the club as well, and not many people have done that. 
um, over the history. He's becoming a leader on and off the field for me. And in my opinion, if he, if he carries on as, as he's doing, um, he's a future captain. Um, he's a great player. He's improving every single week. I know, Dad, you always say he's kind of that workhorse in the middle. He's always a second or third man into a tackle. His stats speak volumes every single week. He's been at the club for a long time now, and one of the one of the I think he's the second longest serving there behind Reese Lynn at the minute. So, um, Jordan Crowther is our number ten. Yeah, we're big fans of Jordy on uh, Trinity Heritage. Uh, he joined us on the podcast a while ago. Um, we he, he often goes under the radar. You know, he comes off the bench or he looks forward, but we like his work rate. You know, we've we've actually seen that he's uh, he does a lot of the uh, the. Uh, unseen work he's now allowed I know we're having a bad run but he's actually allowed Tanginoa and Fafita to do their what they're what they're paid to do because he's the third man in and he does a lot of the uh, scraping up the ball and the and the tackles and what have you so we're uh, we're big Geordie fans number nine uh, we've we've gone sort of back 20 years plus to to pick number nine yes yeah, so number nine is Paul March a surname you might hear again later on in this list Arguably Wakefield's most famous Super League brothers. Um, Paul himself had two spells at the club during his Super League era. Um, he, you know, he amassed 188 points in 109 games. Obviously, he went to Huddersfield in between. But a super versatile player was Paul March. He played in four different positions over his time. He played in the number six and number seven role. He played at hooker and he played at loose forward. Very important in, in every single regard from what I, what I remember. His playing career was probably just before I started watching Trinity, but, you know, listening to you, Dad, or my uncle, um, or even my granddad, they were always someone who seemed to put his hand up, never shied away, very similar to his brother in that regard. Um, Big shame that we lost him for a big chunk of time um, to Huddersfield, but, you know, once again, Wakefield lad came through the system. I think they're from Thornhill, Dad, I believe. You you might correct me on that one. Um, But just just a great player, ground it out, and someone, again, who was vocalised quite heavily when we put it out on Twitter. A lot of people asking for the March brothers. Um, and I felt Paul March was was worthy of that number nine slot. Yeah, we, you can't argue with that. Yes, he got. I think they come from Thornhill, the pair of them. Um, a couple of mongrels, if I remember. And I say that in a, in a very polite way. It's the sort of players that players hated playing against. You know, when you came out and you say, oh, God, Paul March is playing today. You know, it was one of those that you knew you were in for a tough time when uh, March was at halfback. Excellent stuff. Number eight. Number eight, the one and only, our number one at the minute, Max Jowett. So Max has been a stalwart of this team for a number of seasons now. He was actually, he's a couple of years younger than me, Max, and his brother's in my year at school. And I always remember him coming through, Max. And he, he was one of the best players coming through his age group from a very young age, um, about 11 years old. His Outwood Grange um, year seven team, I believe, were the first team to win at the new Wembley when under the uh, the Challenge Cup final when it when it went back and he was the he was the kind of the leader of that team as well and everybody in the Wakefield area had heard of Max and he was being scouted by X Y and Z but he chose Wakefield obviously his dad's an ex Wakefield player and he enjoyed it as well and he's come all the way through the system from a young age I remember when he made his debut I believe at St Helens away Dad I believe um, yeah so we were all there and it was a big game he had a good game and he's and he's kind of not looked back since he's currently just under a hundred appearances for the club um, similar to Jordy Crowther. He's always safe under the high ball. He's skillful with ball in hand. He's always kind of playing that Billy Slater role. He's always backing up in the middle. Um, and from what I've seen recently, he's becoming a much more of a vocal leader as, as the weeks go by, which is what you need from, from your fullback. Another guy who I would happily see at Wakefield for the rest of his career. 
Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, obviously, we know I, I uh, we go back. Me and his dad go back a long way. I uh, he, he played for Trinity back in the nineties. Uh, a great, a great winger. But we're also Max fans. It, it, we're always a little bit not sad because we like recruitment at Trinity. But when when we see another full back signed, it's just like, oh no, what's happened? Going to happen to Max? You know, Scott Briggs came in. But I believe Scott Briggs was quite inspirational to uh, to Max when he came in and helped him a lot. Uh, when Alex Walker came from London, he was just like, oh, great player is Alex. But why do we need another fullback when we have Max? But he kept going, he kept ploughing away, and he's got the number one shirt now. So let's hope he keeps going uh, through this season in the fullback position. Number seven. Number seven, one of my favourite ever players in the Wakefield Trinity shirt, and that's Kyle Wood. Somewhat, he's one of the purest and most genuine game changers in the past 10 years for me. And many forget he's actually a product of our youth system. Obviously, he left quite early on. He went to Huddersfield, went to Castleford. But when he came back, um, he was key, so key in the middle of the park. And he mastered 165 games with 26 tries. And, um, you know, I'm sure if we ever went back and counted his assists, he'd, he'd be pushing triple figures because what an unbelievable player he was. Kind of in that mould in the middle of the park, quick play the ball, Kyle was off, really good quick hands on him. Um, obviously played a, a big part in that team alongside the likes of Tim Smith, Danny Kermon, Danny Washbrook, Paul Sykes, etc. And even coming into the modern days, only left last season. Um, quick rugby brain on him. And he's got an eye for a gap, I always remember as well. Um, just a, one of the very few game-changing players we've had in the past couple of years. And big, big, big favourite player of mine, Dad. Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head. It's not—it's that that those words game changers. I remember when he was on the. I, I loved him on the bench because he was one of those when whenever things were sort of slowing down or it got a bit sluggish, we'd look on the bench and see he was ready to come on. And when when he when Carl Wood was there, they knew it was going something was going to change. It would up the ante. It was a, a lot faster from halfback. The forwards ran faster off him. Nothing to say. Nothing wrong with the other halfbacks. With the, the the other hookers we had at the same time. But whether he start, I much prefer him off the bench, especially when him and Fafita came off the bench together. He just upped the ante in the in the middle, and he was a real game changer. And we won many games on the back of his uh, substitutions uh, over the years. Number six. Number six is Danny Bruff, probably our most rugby orientated thinker on this list. He's, you know, granted in a similar mold to Kyle Wood, he actually achieved more probably away from the club. Um, but he's synonymous with our club because he came through the ranks and obviously he actually ended his Super League career at Wakefield as well. Um, a maestro, an absolute maestro with the ball in hand, exquisite kicking game, made the impossible seem possible. He, um, he actually only played 83 games for the club and you know people probably think of him as playing maybe triple figures for the club. But in that 83 games, he got 654 points. Now, I'm sure, Dad, you'll know, maybe not off the top of your head, but that must put him quite high on the all-time point scorers for Wakefield. Um, and he probably could have been pushing 100 games if, if COVID wouldn't have kicked in and we'd have missed, obviously, a couple in the middle. Unbelievable player. Obviously, maybe um, he left just before he's, he's, he came into his peak and as he started maturing as a player. And he came back probably just as he was starting to slow down. But very rarely did you look at Danny Bruff on your side and, and you were never disappointed that he were playing. No, exactly. I'm just look. I'm just having a quick look now, and I don't think I can open it quick enough. Yes, I can. He's actually ninth on our record of uh, goal kickers. So if if you know you look at how many he's kicked, 287 in his 83 games, um, and he was one wasn't far off the great Ernest Pollard, Terry Crook, and Mark Conway. And it was just a shame COVID, COVID came along because um, he he never played again after that Bradford game. Um, <clears throat> he was uh, he had, he had the hip surgery. Um, and then he went to Bradford and uh, and never 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 played again. Uh, he wasn't far off being one of the oldest players we'd had as well. I haven't got that uh, stat in front of me, but it was up there. It was in his mid thirties, maybe thirty six when he played his last game. Uh, 
people often regard him as uh, he played his best rugby in his first spell, and obviously you, you've just said he played great when he when he went to Hull uh, and other places. So he was still our, you know, when he, when he came back, it was uh, a big gamble what Michael Carter did bringing him back, uh, and he actually said he'll either uh, get sent off or he'll win us the game in his debut. And he was again. We we talk about Carl Ward. He was a game changer when Bruffy was on the field. Suddenly we got a, we got a kicking game again, <clears throat> and uh, we hadn't had that for a while. Liam Finn was very good, and since Bruffy's gone, um, the, the kicking game's uh, gone down a little bit. Yes, Mason Lino's good at what he does, great player, but we like Bruffy's kicking game and uh, and liked his style. Number five. Number five, Francis Stevenson, quite an underrated figure in the modern era, and someone who's not really spoken about enough, in my opinion. Played 123 times for the club, pre-Super League and actually during the Super League era. Um, the type of prop who seemed to be constantly reliable. And he actually started every single game in the number eight shirt in that inaugural 1999 season. And we know kind of the 1990, 2001, 2002 was hectic for the club in itself. And in that first season, Francis Stevenson does seem to be a constant um, in that front row position. Um, and most importantly, he, he played for England twice whilst playing for Wakefield. And he actually, he actually had a, um, he was a member of the 2000 World Cup squad. Now, I mean, once again, I don't have the figures in front of me and it might change later on this year, but he is he the last Wakefield player to have a, a an England World Cup squad shirt, Dad? I imagine he probably is because I can't think of anyone else off the top of my head. It could be. Um, if you didn't give me the heads up, I'd have told you. Hang on a minute, see if we can open me up quick. Because obviously we've got Reece Lynn and Tom Johnston potentially at the end of this season or even someone else. But I can't think of anybody else in, in 07 or 2013 or 2017 off the top of my head. Yeah, could be. He's frozen. I can't open it up. But I think it was 2000. I don't think we've had, we've had anybody since. We've had England internationals, obviously. Yeah. Maybe Ryan Atkinson, Tom Johnston, Reece Lynn. But I don't think anybody in the World Cup. Yeah, Jamie Rooney as well, if I remember rightly. But yeah, I mean, that that, that stat stands out for itself. Is it, you know, and he came through the Wakefield... Uh, production line, so Francis Stevenson there for me in, in number five. Yeah, it's opened up. Yeah, he was the last um, World Cup representative we had in 2000. Um, and like you say, since then, we've had Daryl Griffin play for England, Jamie Jamie Rooney, Ryan Atkins, um, Tom Johnston, Reese Lynn. So, yeah, he's, he's up there, but the last World Cup rep we've got. Plus, when you talk about Francis Stevenson, uh, and that 1998 season, he was one of those players that sort of always mentioned. We've had Andy Kelly on the podcast. We've had Martin Law on the podcast. And they speak highly of him. He, he was one of our standout um, men, one of the big, the big uh, like you say, an underrated figure in that 1998 season and uh, grand final winning season. Number four. Number four, the second of the March Twins, David March, makes an appearance. Not only completing the set, but they are the highest capped set of brothers ever to play for Wakefield in the Super League. So David collected 232 games with Trinity with 43 tries, 157 goals and two drop goals as well for, for the sake of it. Talk about someone who was severely underrated by the opposition, similar to his brother Paul, played in numerous different positions, never complained about it, always put his hand up and put in a great shift. He played in a tough period for Wakefield during the initial stages of Super League, but he was also a solid member of that playoff squad that defeated Hull um, and ran Wigan to the wire as well. Uh, obviously, when, the, when we had the likes of Jason Dimitri, David Solomon, etc., David March was always in that squad. And when we've spoken to these boys as well in the podcast, David March is someone they always, always mention. Once again, 4 0 boy coming through the Wakefield system and an ever reliable in that number nine shirt. 
Yeah, as, his, as we mentioned about his brother, he was a mongrel as well. And I'll say that in a very polite way. When those March brothers played, you just knew they were, the opposition were going to be in trouble. Um, they were hard to referee, they were hard to play against. They were always arguing, they're always nattering, but great players and um, uh, one of the stars of that era. David, it was also interesting that um, when it comes to statistics and um, appearances, our most the, the, the player to play the most consecutive games for Trinity is Harry Wilkinson. We've we've talked about him on the uh, podcast. He, he played 96 consecutive games through the war years. David March got to 95. So he's our second for, uh, when it comes to consistency and not missing a game. And he was just one short of the uh, club record. Number three, a good friend of uh, Heritage Podcast. Yeah, number three, Gary Price. A name people might not have thought would even appear on this list, but Gary Price played over 70 times for Wakefield in the Super League, Gary, in the first three seasons. Obviously more synonymous with the early 90s, the Yorkshire Cup winning side of 92, playing for uh, representative honours as well. But Gary also came back um, when we started in Super League. Gary's record, he played over 200 games for the club, 35 tries, 140 points, speaks for itself, obviously spread over two spells. Two Yorkshire Cup final appearances, Great Britain under-21s, Great Britain tour, pre-Super League as well. But obviously we've spoken to the likes. Big influence on that early Wakefield Trinity side in Super League. Bit of a veteran in that change room as well, obviously helped out where he, where he needed to. Um, and always a dominant figure on the field. Obviously a friend of the podcast, friend of yours, Dad, as well. And I felt like even though um, he was more synonymous, probably pre-Super League, but it surprised me how many games he actually played in Super League for Trinity. Um, so I couldn't not involve him being a local lad and, and Gary Price is a bit of a local legend. So that's Gary Price in, in, in the number three spot. Yeah, he had a long career, did Price, didn't he? We, we forget, obviously, we're talking Super League. Players have actually played in Super League with Trinity. He actually made his debut back in 1986, 13 years before Super League got going for Trinity. Uh, and I was very fortunate when we talk about juniors and youth systems. It was called the Colts back in the 80s. Uh, and Trevor Bailey was one of the greatest coaches I've ever known or worked with. And he was the man that brought these players through. Gary Price, we've mentioned, because he can come through into for Super League. But Gary Spencer and Billy Conway were just two of the stars of those um, Colts years as well. We haven't included them in this because they didn't play Super League. But if we go back another 20 years, we'd have a totally different list. So Price has been around that long. He played in the juniors in 84, 85, debuted in 86, but was still there in 1999. Uh, Pliny's trade at Trinity. Last, last two. Who have you got at number two? Top two. I think people listening could probably predict the top two, but this is just the order that we've picked them in, and you know you can you can choose your own if, if you uh, if you disagree. But number two, I have gone with Tommy Johnston, Air Johnston. So quite simply, the, the most phenomenal talent we have produced in the past twenty years, and obviously there's arguments here it could be at number one. And he's, he's, he's the most electrifying player I've ever seen down at Trinity. Obviously, current transfer sagas and injuries aside, we're currently in, in the back end of May 2022, if you're listening to this in retrospect. Um, Tom, Tom is a genuine world-class player on his day, and the majority of his tries, assists and players he has scored for the club is something that has not been seen for Trinity since the days of Dennis Booker, really. So... To say not only a player that standard is playing some of the best rugby league of his career and, and of his time at Trinity, but the fact that we produced him as well, he's not he's not a Wakefield lad, he'll openly admit that himself, he's from the Leeds area, they missed out on him, they tried to recruit him a couple of times since and he's decided to stay at Wakefield, um, 
but a phenomenal talent as well. He's, you know, he's represented England whilst playing for Wakefield. On his England debut whilst playing for Wakefield, he scored a hat-trick against France, an absolutely remarkable achievement. We don't know what's going to happen with him this year. We know, obviously, there's a bit of transfer black cloud over him, whether he stays or whether he goes. I think everybody's is crossing the fingers that he can hit the 100 try mark before the season end. Hopefully, he can avoid some sort of uh, further injuries. Um but an absolute phenomenal player. And if he stays or if he goes, he'll, he'll go down in, in modern Wakefield history as, as a legend for me. Yeah, at Trinity Heritage, we love, we love a record. We love tries, goals, appearances and that sort of thing. And we were egging him on this year. He's actually on 87 tries in his career. So he's only got 13 to go before the end of the season. Like you say, we don't know when he's going to go, what's going to happen at the end of the season. Injuries have affected him, but we don't want to ramble on about those. He's a, he's a world-class winger. We, lo- we love his, his, his attacking style. He's played 116 games for us. He's scored 87 tries. Will he get that final 13? We've only had 13 players in our whole history who've scored 100 tries. The last one was Andy Mason, and that's over. That's before Super League. He got 200 odd. So Tom's on 87. Will he get those last 13 games with 13 tries? So we need him back on the field and a couple of hat tricks and uh, fingers crossed. Last but not least, number one. I think everybody can probably predict this now. He's, he's a favourite of mine. He's a favourite of Dad's. He's a favourite of every single Wakefield Trinity fan out there, and that's Gareth Ellis. It, it had to be, didn't it? Once more, I appreciate what Ellis did after leaving Wakefield. is an astronomical achievement at Leeds, at West Tigers, at LFC, at England, at Great Britain. But in his, in his 112 games for Trinity, he showed everybody exactly why he had what it took to become a world-class player. Skilled in many positions, um, the back row, loose forward, centre, six. He played in everywhere for Trinity, even at a young age. Um, the heart of a lion, and not only taking the captaincy at an early age, he, he, left, he led our best ever Super League side to two games away from a grand final appearance. It's something that may never be achieved again, um, especially as a Trinity product, being the captain of the side, beating Hull in that legendary game, coming so close against Wigan to not only do that, um, as a Trinity product, um, but as captain as well at such a young age. I think he was 22, 23 at the time. Um, 25 tries and two goals, um, along with a Yorkshire and Great Britain appearance, all in five years at the club. Um, you, you mentioned Gareth Ellis in the game of Rugby League, and probably Wakefield Trinity is one of the last things you think about him, really, because that's where he, he started his humble beginnings. But as a Wakefield fan, it's always very, very proud and very... You know, we, we, we love the fact that he's a Wakefield lad and he's come through the system and we kind of began his career. Um, fantastic player. And, and number one, we couldn't not involve him in this list because he suits all the criteria. But between, between uh, I, I believe it was between Ellis and Johnson at the minute and Ellis just pipped him to that. Yeah, can't pick anybody else, can we? He's, he's, he's wonderful. He's a great friend of the podcast. He's a good bloke as well. And when you talk to other people, we've had a lot of people on the podcast, when they start talking about the best player or one of the greatest influences they've had, all the way to the top Australians, Gareth Ellis's name comes up. So, yeah, he's coming through our youth system in 99, 2000, uh, and, and, and to see how he's developed. Like you just said, he did a lot away from Trinity uh, after, his, after he left at Leeds and Tigers and Hull. But, yeah, to me, he's probably one of the greatest uh, juniors we've... Uh, uh, we've uh, developed over the years. Um, I must have, I must sort of, this is obviously it's a personal view. You, you might be listening to this and um, think of somebody else. But when you look at the juniors come through, we've got to thank the the coaches that have done it. Obviously, Mark Cabblegarth at the moment. We've had some great coaches along the years and youth development officers. But I'm going to go, sort of give a heads up to a fellow called John Allroyd. John Allroyd was uh, 
a, a club scout for many years. And when you look at these names, I bet John Oldroyd spotted them. So Ollie is a Stanley lad, good friend of ours, great bloke. Um, and he's spent many a morning on the on the touch lines on a wet, miserable morning around West Yorkshire. And I bet, I'll have to look into it, but I bet he's found the majority of these over the years. Very, very good stuff. Enjoyed that. Once again, our own opinions kind of collected from the, from the polls on Twitter. If, if you've got an alternating opinion, if you feel as though someone should be in there, post a, post a message on Twitter, give us a bit of abuse, which is normal for us at the minute. Um, but enjoyed that. Always love a bit of an opinionated top 10. So thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 34 of the Wakefield Trinitarity podcast and the second in the top 10 series highlighting our top 10 best ever youth academy products in the Super League era. For more updates on the history of Wakefield Trinity, follow us on Facebook under the Wakefield Trinity Heritage banner and Twitter at WT Heritage Pod. Thank you to my co-host, Lee Robinson, my dad. We will catch you all this coming Monday night with an interview with the legendary, and I say legendary with emphasis, Ian Brook. Ian uh, Brookie is going to talk to us about his past Challenge Cup um, career and achievements. Brookie could talk to us for about seven hours, but we're going to go talk to Brookie about his Challenge Cup appearances. And then on Thursday, we've got a follow-up part two with Brookie as well. A um, bit of a bonus episode, but I feel as though we're going to get Brookie on for, for about 10 different episodes. But this is the first time Ian Brookie is going to be on this podcast and we are very, very excited. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I have been Jamie Robinson, and we will catch you all down the road. Hi, it's Cammy Triscomara. You have been listening to the Trinity Heritage Podcast with Jamie and Lee Robinson. It's unbelievable.